Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with GB Swans footballer Alex Salter, the new coach of the NT Thunder women's side, Tim Weatherald, Canadian Northern Lights footballer Caroline LeDuc, and our Zephyr Women's Report with Alison Schiller. That's all coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. I'm Peter Holden, and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, hang on, isn't this normally the Girls Play Footy Podcast? Well, there's been a couple of things that have happened over the past fortnight or so, so I guess we better uh, do some housekeeping first. Now, firstly, there hasn't been a podcast for the past couple of weeks, but that was due to yours truly having the flu, and I barely had any voice. Now, to do with the name of the podcast, um, we'd been known as the girlsplayfooty.com podcast since our beginning back in 2015. Uh, We're a production of Girls Play Footy Radio, which was an arm of the Girls Play Footy website and brand. Now, a few weeks ago, the volunteers involved in Girls Play Footy Radio, and that includes yours truly, uh, voted to separate from the Girls Play Footy website and brand. Um, there's a few things we weren't comfortable with on the Girls Play Footy site and social media. These things happened in a volunteer-run organisation. I won't go into too much detail, uh, but a statement can be found on our Twitter account at twitter.com forward slash WARF radio. After we released our statement about leaving Girls Play Footy, um, it seemed the dominoes uh, began to fall after that point, uh, with one of the site's co-founders also leaving. And then a matter of hours later, the site's other co-founder and editor elected to close the site down and close its social media presence. Now, as much as we had all voted to leave Girls Play Footy, uh, we were hopeful it would reform and continue on stronger than ever, as the site had many great stories on women's footy, not just at AFLW level, which is very easy to do and everyone's doing now, but more importantly, a lot of stories about what was happening at grassroots level, not only just around Australia, but also around the world. So we're incredibly sad, despite our differences, that one of the most important resources in women's Australian rules football has closed down. That said, what was the radio arm, Girls Play Footy Radio, which originally began its life as VWFL Radio in 2014, continues now as Women's Australian Rules Football Radio, or WARF Radio for short. And from now on, the podcast will still be produced weekly. It will air first on RSN Carnival Digital Radio Melbourne, 6pm on Wednesdays, and then be available Thursday mornings uh, via SoundCloud and hopefully soon uh, Apple Podcasts. Our live coverage of Victorian women's football, uh, particularly the VFLW competition, will continue for a fifth season from Sunday, May 6th, when the round one kicks off. Uh, we now have an online presence at Twitter. Again, it's twitter.com forward slash WARF radio. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. And you can find us on SoundCloud by going soundcloud.com forward slash WARF radio. Now, at the moment, we're trying to make sure the changes happen as well on Apple Podcasts, or otherwise known as iTunes. That's taking a little bit longer than expected, so you still might find us there as either the Girls Play Footy Podcast, or hopefully soon it should pop up as Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. So uh, just try either one of those if you search via uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes. So, now on with the show. Our first guest plays for the Nottingham Scorpions in the UK. We chatted to her last year when she was representing the England Vixens 
at the AFL Euro Cup. Last year, she came to Melbourne to represent the GB Swans, and she's back again this time to have a crack at seeing if she can make the AFLW. She signed up with the Melbourne University Muggers in the VFL Women's Competition. It's great to have on the line Alex Salter. Alex, how are you? I'm doing good, thanks. Very well at the moment. The last time we spoke to you, you were getting ready to play for the England Vixens in the Euro Cup. Now you find yourself down in Melbourne. What on earth made you go to make that big decision to pull up stumps in the UK and come down to Oz? Well, while I was out here um, last year for the IC, I just had the most incredible time. And everyone said to me, oh, you really, you know, come and do a season out here. Um, and as soon as I got back, I, did, I went and spoke to my manager and asked if I could take a sabbatical. Um, and he said that he was 100% behind me and that he would do whatever he could for the business to support me in that decision. Um, so it took a couple of months and some more meetings at work. But then in November, uh, I got it signed off. Um, and then I could start planning my, my journey and my trip. So just to give everyone a, a bit of a background, of course, you're an amateur footballer, you're not a professional, you're not being paid. So what job did you have to, in a way, leave behind or leave on hold back home in England? Um, so I work for Mars, the chocolate company, um, and I just work in their distribution team. Um, I've got a five office job, um, but luckily Mars are a brilliant company to work for and have the sabbatical option. So they granted me sabbatical for seven months. Um, and when I get back, there will be a job, might not be the one I left, but there will be a job available for me within the wider team that I was in. Excellent. So that does give you a bit of security, which is fantastic to hear for when you do return. That's, of course, if you do return and uh, you don't find yourself <laughs> drafted. Yeah, everyone says that. And they're like, are you definitely coming back? Um, but yeah, at the moment, I, I will be coming back. Although I am enjoying myself massively. How, how daunting have you found it to not only obviously move to the other side of the planet, but obviously having to set yourself up here, finding accommodation, hopefully finding some type of work. So obviously you've got money going into the bank account and then obviously having to worry about your football. Um, well, it was quite a big task and um, having to almost start life again over here. Um, but just from coming over to the IC and for playing down in London with a lot of Aussies, I actually realised I knew quite a lot of people over here um, and they've been great with, you know, helping me put out feelers for houses and, and things like that. Um, so that was, finding a house was really easy. But the hardest thing so far has been finding a job um, because I only want part-time because I want to focus on footy and finding something that accommodates has been a bit more Absolutely understandable. Um, you found yourself hooked up with the Melbourne University Muggers. Was that always the choice? Was it just simply because, obviously, Lauren Spark was an assistant coach with the GB Swans? Were you always headed for the Muggers, or were there some options that you were weighing up? Um, generally, it was always going to be the Muggers because of Sparky, um, although I did go and train with the UHS women's team who – one of my other GB teammates, um, Lauren Short, plays for. Um, and I really did enjoy that training, but Muggers is just just completely different and a better fit for me. 
How have you found the step up to training with the Muggers? Now, obviously, they've got a wide breadth of talent, that being the lower division, VAFA, all the way through to state league football. How have you found trying to adjust, essentially in the, at Nottingham, I guess, training with a dozen or so girls to now training in a unit where you've got uh, almost like 100 women on their list? Oh, it was a complete shock to turn up to my first training session where we did a practice match um, you know, two full 18-a-side teams with 12-plus on the bench. It was crazy, you know, to be able to do that at training. Um, but it's been really good. The standard so far has been um, quite varied. Obviously, you've got the uh, VFL um, girls who are have been playing for years, really high standard. And then you've got more of the FAFA community girls who... Some of them are only starting this year or last year because they're riding on the wave of the AFLW. So there's a, it's a massive um, difference. But one thing I have noticed is that they are taught gameplay right from the outset. So even if their skills aren't there, they know what to do in games and therefore they're playing it the right way rather than just kicking and hoping, which we do quite a lot at the beginning when we're learning over in England. That's fair enough. For yourself personally, what have you found the biggest challenge adjusting to when you run out there for your first training sessions? Um, biggest thing, I think, is just getting to know everyone. At Olympians, you know, there's eight to 12 bull girls so straight after you're there, you're in a feel part of it. Whereas when you're going to training and there's 80 girls, you have no idea who to talk to. You know, I'm talking to new people every week. And therefore, it's kind of hard to get that um, team unit um, feel. Uh, so I think that's been the hardest part. Um, but otherwise, in terms of footy, because I just love playing and getting involved, that's been relatively easy to, you know, sink right into. Can you explain your training program throughout the week? Um, how many times a week are you training with the muggers? And, and what are you doing yourself personally? Because you have put some videos online of you doing your own solo training sessions. Um, yeah, so with the muggers, we train on Tuesday and Thursday nights. Um, and then we have matches on a Saturday. And they've just started. Um, but personally, myself, on top of that, I always love to get to the gym and do a leg session and an arm session. Um, and then while I'm here, I also really want to focus on doing some more um, speed and sprint sessions, so just going down to the park um, and also working on things like picking the ball up and kicking on the run, just doing that by myself for hours to try and improve. So, yeah, generally I'm doing something every day, which my body isn't quite happy about at the moment. <laughs> Well, talking about the body, I believe you've had a, a bit of a shoulder uh, and niggle at the moment. Can you tell us what the situation with that is? Um, so it's an injury that I first did at the IC um, in our last match against the USA. Um, I kind of hyperextended my shoulder a bit. And I've been doing lots of rehab, but I've re-aggravated it a few times um, since IC. Um, and then training session a couple of weeks ago, I went to spoil the ball and the impact of the ball just extended my shoulder again out of a bit. I can. I've taken a 
slight step back in training. I haven't gone into contests and I've been very wary when, you know, going to score the ball or doing any marking. So unfortunately, the muggers had their first game on Saturday and I made myself unavailable for that because I didn't want to play a game to injure my shoulder massively and then not be able to play the rest of the time I'm here. So what time frame are you probably looking at that you'll be right to go again? It's hard to say. I'd love to be able this weekend, but I may take it off. And then we've got two bye weekends, which would give me another month um, to really strengthen the shoulder and make sure that it's okay for the physicality AFL. Now, uh, during this uh, time off that you had during round one, you actually did go down to Ramsden Street to watch Melbourne Uni take on uh, Fitzroy in reserves and VAFA Premier. What did you think of the standard compared to, obviously, what you've seen and experienced in the UK? Uh, yeah, well, it was it was kind of a bit hard to tell the standard because our girls won 134 um, to zero. So it was hard to get a grasp of what the general standard is, but... As I was saying, the gameplay and the game awareness and doing, you know, sticking to positions, doing the right thing. So looking for a hand pass off instead of just booting it away to no one. Or And there were quite a few um, hand pass linkages, which we don't tend to do in in GB and in England. Um, so standard, um, I was really impressed with that. So hopefully you know, I'll be able to, to learn some ways to play and attack and can take that back to, to the UK with me. Now, the one thing uh, we do need to highlight, you've been doing the right thing about going to the gym and keeping fit. How much of a challenge has that been considering the tempting food of Melbourne that we've noticed quite a bit through your <laughs> YouTube videos? <laughs> well, to begin with, I was all right because uh, I'm very strong. And, you know, I had my treats and then I'd do my meal prep as, as normal. But my cousin has just been over and now my friend is over. So the temptation to go out has been massive. Um, and this last weekend, I have indulged a lot. Um, but with my friend, we've got action-packed stuff planned. So hopefully I'll, I'll be able to shift the extra little bit of weight I've just put on. <laughs> And one last one before you go. We know that you've obviously made the journey out here after hearing how well you were enjoying it so far the first month in and all the videos, etc. Have you been able to almost tempt in any of your other fellow GB Swans to consider making the move over? Um, not yet, but I know it's on a few of their radars anyway. Um, and I'm sure if any of them want to come over, um, they'll give me a call and we can discuss it further. They do have a few over here already, um, like Alex Peel's over here. Um, she's not based in Melbourne, which is a shame, so I'm not seeing her. Um, but, yeah, she's brilliantly over here, and her first match is this weekend. Um, so hopefully she goes well there. Um, but And there's also a couple of the Bulldogs out here. So I've met up with Luke Booth and Jason Hill, um, which has been good. So I think... You know, in the near future, there might be a few more more coming over. And hopefully while I'm here, I'll be able to recruit some GB-based girls as well. And finally, one last one before we let you go. Uh, we already know that the Muggers have an American. They've had Katie Klatt. 
now that they've been invaded by yourself and being invaded by the British, what's the thought with the muggers about all these different nationalities from uh, around the world coming in and uh, being part of their club? Oh, they love it. Um, they are just so shocked when I tell them that um, I've come over to play FL. They're like, oh, that's so awesome. And the fact that we even have it in England and abroad, they're shocked at. Um, they didn't realize that it had, you know, crossed the ocean to, to other countries. So they're just so infused by it and, yeah, and love hearing about how it's developing outside of Australia. Well, Alex, thank you very much again for joining us here and we wish you all the very best throughout your journey in Melbourne as uh, you lace up the boots to play with the Melbourne University Muggers. Yes, thanks, Pete. The 2018 VFL women's season is going to look radically different from years gone by. Not only is there a bunch of AFL clubs now fielding teams in the VFLW, we also have the NT Thunder being the 13th team in the competition. Naturally, they'll be playing a normal home-and-away schedule, a bunch of games up in Darwin, and, of course, every second or so week travelling down to Melbourne to take on uh, the Victorian sides. And it's great to have on the line chatting to us the new coach of the NT Thunder women's team, Tim Weatherall. Tim, thanks for joining us here. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very hot up here, but, yeah, going well. Great to have you on the line. I guess uh, our first concern is how is everyone after the cyclone that did actually pass through about a week or so ago? Yeah, actually sort of knocked us around a bit. We were supposed to start training last Monday, um, which is sort of a couple of days after the cyclone. So we actually had to postpone our first two sessions just because the Oval had no electricity and change room facilities and all that. So, yeah, Darwin pretty much shut down for a few days, but we finally got started last Thursday and, uh, yeah, get our first full week of training in this week. And you put out a list of players that will be training uh, with the NT Thunder VFL women's side. Now, in that, you've obviously got those that play in the Darwin competition and also those that play in the Alice Springs competition. How are you going to, I guess, handle um, the, the training commitments of both of those and obviously getting feedback on who you want to put into each respective side going forward? Yeah, obviously, there's been a lot of communication with the staff down in Alice Springs and a number of those girls did play in our local um, football, football competition. So I got to see a lot of those sort of Alice Springs girls in the past month just playing finals footy and the last few rounds up here. So, um, yeah, there's a, the coaching staff in there, we, we sort of speak to them a fair bit. And so they try and do the same programs we're doing here. We've got six, six girls down who are currently on our, on our list. And, um, yeah, Angela Foley, who's a Crows, uh, gets Crows list to play, who lives in Darwin. She traveled down there last week just to sort of spend the night with all those Alice Springs girls and sort of talk to them about what it's like to uh, just train away from the main group like she mm. does with the Crows team and, and just try and sort of you know, welcome to the side. And, yeah, so it's, it's going to be tricky. But, yeah, we're sure we've got things in place to make it manage it and, and do it really well. And I think the good thing out of the squad that you managed to build up, you've got a fair bit of experience in there, even if they're young of age. You've obviously got Taylor Thorne, who was obviously on the Adelaide Crows list. Um, you've got Lucy Adam, who's captain of Darwin Buffett's um, uh, grand final uh, last year. Uh, throw in there as well, uh, Beck Dunbar, who actually did the tour with the Aussie Sparks uh, in California last year. As you said, Ange Foley's helping out. So you've obviously got a lot of talent that, to a certain extent, has been there and done that. And Amy Chittick's another name as well that's played in exhibition match football. That means that um, you've got that uh, you've got that leadership out on the ground in the VFLW competition. Yeah, I think it's going to be really important that um, you know we do have those couple of those older heads around. We've probably got about seven players who have played in the VFLW through various regions over the last two years. So we've got some experience there. And just from up here, we've got, we've, had, we've been playing footy, women's footy up here for quite a long time. And yeah, there's some you know some older older girls who have definitely 
kept onto our list, and just we see them as being really important to help develop our our younger younger ones as well from our academies, and, and we'll work with those academy students as well, and and get them involved in the game. I guess the tough thing is, as we said, a number of the girls have played the Darwin competition throughout the summer. They go straight into this pre-season and then straight into a VFL women's season. How difficult is that to try and balance how many games they should or shouldn't play to make sure, obviously, they don't get burnt out? And they're obviously ready for AFLW. Should they get picked up by the Crows or somebody else uh, for the 2019 season? Yeah, I guess it's a, it's a tricky tricky thing. Um, I guess we've sort of had the, our, our men's team in the, who play in the meet will sort of this is their tenth year doing the same thing on the men's side of the competition. So we're we're basically training, you know, exactly the same as those guys have done. Um, obviously, I mean, the men they only had their grand final last week, and we had uh, just over ten of our girls play grand final two weeks ago. So they're they're footy fit, but um, it's still doing those other other learning, you know, to become a team. I suppose we've we've only got sort of twelve training sessions for that first game, so. It's, Definitely going to be a challenge to, to bring the group together. Uh, but as I said, we've got the men who, who have been doing it for the last 10 years. So we've sort of got that in place and work very closely. We've got some full-time strength and conditioning coaches who, who manage the girls individually and, and, and they'll set individual programs for them to make sure we can manage that workload. As you mentioned, the men's obviously with their NT Thunder play in the needful and the Queensland style of football is very similar to NT and WA, an outside running game. You'll be playing in the VFL women's competition. Victorian football is typically different. It's a, it's an in-tight, in-close game. How do you think the side will adjust? Yeah, I definitely. Obviously, um, watching the, the VFL women last year, and, you know, it's very much a contested footy. It's very much, you know, they like to get control of the ball and, and not sort of blaze away too much. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think we'll, we'll hopefully bring, you know, territory-style football. I think uh, we like playing fast footy up here, and, and I, I think I'll encourage the girls to do the same thing down there and, you know, try and sort of, you know, run the legs off some of those teams down there. But at the same time, understanding it'll be a bit cold and we'll get some wet days. And um, I'm an Adelaide boy originally, so I'm sort of sort of been, been through that a bit myself. So I understand um, how we'll do that. But, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have a game style that can, you know, play towards our strengths, but also, you know, obviously work with the what we'll, what we'll, what we'll encounter down there in the AFLW. And what's the plan when, obviously, you do get to fly down to Victoria? Looking at flying in the same morning, playing a game, then stay overnight and out, or spending a weekend there, Friday to Sunday. What, what's some of the ideas thinking behind that with the games you've got in the fixture? Yeah, well, we've sort of, I mean, we looked into it quite closely, and um, what we, we look to do is we'll probably fly, fly out on a Friday night. We don't get into Melbourne until about 11 o'clock at night, so um, we'll obviously, you know, feed the girls, get them into the motel, and... Um, get up early and, and prepare in the morning. Most of the games are sort of 11.30, 12 o'clock. So they're morning games and, and being sort of about a four-hour flight for us to get down there. So I guess there's also the issue of mostly well, all the girls are obviously working. So we want to wanna try and have as little impact as we can on, on their lives outside of footy as well. So yeah, we'll shoot down Friday, play Saturday morning and get back to Darwin late on a, on the Saturday night. There's obviously a lot of talk about when Victorian sides go up to the Northern Territory, and that includes men's football as well, how they try to acclimatise and get ready for the humidity. Um, how will the NC women handle it the other way when uh, a bitterly cold June, July, August weather in Melbourne and uh, the breeze is coming in off the bay and it's about nine degrees? Yeah, they're going to be freezing the girls. I'm sure they'll be, be, be wearing their skins, their long jumpers during the warm-ups. But um, I guess like all footy, once you, once you get going and, and you get warmed up, um, you get used to it. But yeah, that's definitely going to be a challenge. Um, just footy up and down, with that humidity, it's almost like having a wet football. So I think the actual on-field slippery ball and those sort of things won't won't be as big an issue. It would just, it would just be that temperature. Um, I, I worked with the uh, men's Thunder team a couple of years ago with Xavier Clark and sort of obviously managed a little bit with there and saw how the, how the men sort of had to work those same issues. So once again, um, yeah, 
we'll, we'll, we'll try not to make it too much different and just um, you know, work what they've got. And, and I guess like any footy team, you've got to sort of cope with all the issues and, and we'll cope the best we can. Now, of course, there was a mail around that some of the Crows players will play for the NT Thunder. Uh, without confirming names yet, um, is that just the Darwin-based Crows players or will some of the Adelaide Crows players also play a handful of games if available? Um, no, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not 100% sure. They've obviously just finished their season. But um, I sat in with the Crows, coaching box up here when they played a couple of weeks ago against Fremantle and, and got to meet a number of those Crows. And, um, yeah, we'd be looking to... It definitely won't be just the um, Darwin-based skills. There's a number of number of the other girls involved in the Crows program who have shown a real interest to be involved in our side as well. So, so I mean, that may mean that some of those girls will you know, be based in Adelaide training with you know, Andrew McLeod or, or Peter Cave and, um, and the coaching staff there, and, and they may even be sort of flying to Melbourne and meeting us in there as well. So, so it could be girls coming from Adelaide, girls coming from Alice Springs and Darwin all, all meeting together and, and playing as a team. So there's definitely going to be those challenges, and yeah, we look forward to trying finalising our list with those Crows girls as well in the next, uh, next few weeks. Uh, for your own personal perspective, who were some of the late bolters that got into the training squad that impressed uh, in the latter stages of the NTFL women's season and into the finals? Yeah, we've got some some, some younger girls. A, couple of, a girl called Janet Baird, she's involved in the in the um, the academies with the AFL, so she's a very exciting young girl. She played a really really good final series for Palmerston Footy Club up here. Um, you know, there's a number. I mean. Obviously, you mentioned Taylor Thorne. She's been around for a girl down in Alice Spring called Jordan Hickey. She's a really exciting girl from the Darwin Buffaloes and also the Rovers side down there. Um, probably one who really caught our eyes. She won the medal in the in the um, grand final up here playing for Warwickshire Footy Club, a young girl called Maddie Galt. Um, so she played in the Nationals in, in junior level last year and still eligible in under 18. But she really, yeah, she won the medal in the grand final, as I said, and she's playing some really exciting footy. Just a great listener. Um, a great athlete, and I'm sure she'll, she'll um, turn a few heads this year when she plays down, down south. Now, you did mention, of course, that you, you sat in the Crows box during the Fremantle game. Are you expecting that to be reciprocated at some stage, that whether up in Darwin or in Victoria, you're expecting that some Crows personnel may join you at times, if not at least on an official coaching role, but to observe what's happening? Yeah, definitely. I think we've already got that relationship with the, in the Crows NT, um, sort of through that system anyway. So, yeah, we expect that... Um, all those games in Melbourne and up here, that there will be um, a member of the coaching staff from the AFL women's crow side to, to be involved with us as well. So um, they obviously want to work with that, that group of girls too. Um, like all the other VFL clubs, we're restricted to those 12 you know, AFLW listed players. So um, we'll work quite closely with the staff there to make sure we can manage them um, the best we can. Last year, we caught up with Caroline LeDuc, a footballer with the Montreal Angels and the Canada Northern Lights. She represented the Northern Lights during IC17 in Melbourne. She let us know that throughout the summer, she was going to be staying in Western Australia, uh, studying an internship at one of the universities, and she was hoping to train with one of the Aussie Rules teams. She fell so much in love with the game here in Australia. She's actually going to be staying on for a few months more to see her right through the WAWFL season. She signed up with the East Fremantle Sharks and she made her debut last week in the local derby against South Fremantle. It's great to have on the line Caroline Leduc. Caroline, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hi, Pete. I'm doing fine. And you? Not too bad at all. The last time I spoke to you, if I'm correct, I think you were coming out for a bunch of months and you were staying to March. Am I correct? Are you staying a little longer? Yes, um, I'll be going back home in May for my brother's wedding, but I'm coming back right after um, with a three-month visitor visa to play the whole footy season here. 
absolutely fantastic to hear because when we first uh, spoke to you last year, the plan was to come over, and I think you were going to end in March just before footy season began, but it seems that the footy bug is bitten and you want to stay for the season. Yeah, the footy is really good here. And um, at first, last year when we spoke, I was supposed to um, to stay up to end of April to the end of my internship. And I was, uh, I'm happy to just be training with the team here and uh, learn um, and like and grow, and grow my my game. But um, it's just so good here that I really want to play the whole season. So let's rewind back a couple of months. You actually got involved in the WAWFL uh, Footy Academy and their Jan Cooper Cup series. How did that come about? You getting an invitation to be part of the academy? Uh, well, thanks to um, Cameron Napton. Um, uh, WAFL manager at the Western Australia Footballer Commission that I met through Tony Fairheads, who's a member of the USAFL International Program Exchange Committee. I've had the uh, amazing opportunity to train as an international guest in the Western Australia Talent Academy uh, in January, February, um, following the invitation of Clint, the talent manager of the female program. And you managed to train with that academy. If, if I'm correct, I think the original idea is that you were just going to train and run water for them and just get the experience, but you ended up being selected to play in the series. Yeah, I was actually just uh, invited for the... They had like a, a talent academy game against uh, against Fremantle Dockers for, as a preparation for their AFLW season. And I, I was invited to uh, come to train with the talent academy and to um, witness their preparation for that game. Uh, but then after that game, I've been invited to uh, come along to training and I've stick with them until the end of the John Cooper Cup. And Dean, you got to play in a few games with that as well. When you go back to obviously thinking about how you played in Canada, the numbers are smaller at training. You might have a dozen or so, and you don't get to play regular 18-a-side football. So for you, what's the thing that you found, I guess, most difficult trying to get used to training here in Oz, training with an Australian-based football team? Um, well, it's, it has been a really great experience, but I like I really had to bring up the level of my game. Uh, but it was like really good challenge and preparation for my first uh, waffle season. Um, but uh, yeah, like um, it's like faster and tougher footy here. And uh, like you said, we don't play much 18 sides back home, even though I did um, a couple of like half of my experience in food in Canada and uh, in the U.S. was 18 aside. So I, I still had a lot of them, but you're right that mostly it's like nine aside. And um, yeah, it's, it's like you need to adjust to that bigger field and to um, more people on the field and to play your role correctly. What's the element of the game that they would like to see you work on the most? Um, yeah, well, like one of the feedback I got from the coach at the academy after the end of the John Cooper Cup was that um, to um, be more confident in my kick and like do more a short kick and uh, to hit those targets in a 45 angle degrees and uh, just like yeah, working more on like the fourth the, the short kicks under pressure during the trainings. Um, so that was the main thing that come out. Um, but obviously game knowledge uh, will come with more uh, exposure to game. You ended up hooking up with the East Fremantle Sharks. Uh, how did that conversation come about for you to end up wearing the blue and white? 
Um, well, when I started playing footy in Montreal, there was a, a girl um, from Perth that ended up starting playing footy as well. And when she came back here, she ended up with the East Fremantle Sharks. So that was one of the reasons why when I landed in Perth, I was um, interested in playing for the East Fremantle Sharks. Um, but it ended up being like a very, also to be a very good club. And um, yeah, so I decided to commit to that club and I really have enjoyed it. The, the, the girls are very welcoming and the, the, the quality of the training are pretty good. Um, we, our head coach, uh, Nikki Harwood, has been like a uh, midfielder assistant for AFLW Collingwood uh, in 2017. And um, the, her and our um, forward line coach, Steph Wadding, uh, are in the coaching staff of the West Coast Eagle High Performance Female Academy this year. And we also have the Western Australia Academy um, coach Adam Dancy that is assisting in some of the Sharks training. So we really have like really good coaching staff at Instrumento Sharks. So I was really happy to um, to learn from them and uh, to yeah to become a better players under their guidance. A great club, East Fremantle, probably one of their most famous recruits, Jessica Wuchner, coming out of that club uh, when she played her football in WA. Um, what about yourself when it comes to training? Can you give us an insight into the amount of training that you're doing with the Sharks during the week and some personal training that you might be doing on top of that to build your fitness? Yeah, well, I um, started training with the instrumental Shark early December and uh, we had like two trainings per week. And then I also um, contacted Doug Drinkwater, um, who's also on the USAFL advisory committee. He had gave me um, a um, high performance training program and a diet program as well. And then when I was, um, so I was trained twice per week with instrumental sharks and then the academy um, came into um, and to play and I was trained also twice per week with them. So that was a lot of workload and I actually had to adjust to that. Um, and it took me like maybe two or three months of training before coming up to a proper way of recovering from training and how to prepare my body for it. Um, because it was like workload that I was not necessarily used to have back home um, because it's high intensity training and it's also pretty warm here. So let's have a look at the weekend that's just gone by. You are with East Fremantle. They've got three sides. They're under 19, which is the Rogers Cup. They've got the um, reserves. But you actually made your debut in State League at the league level. What did that mean to you personally to make your debut in the number one team at East Fremantle? Yeah, it was pretty special to make my debut in the league team, um, especially with the support on game day of Grilla of the U.S. National. Um, he has pretty strong tie with the Sharks men's team, and he has followed my journey uh, since I've started with the Sharks in December. Um, so it was pretty special to uh, make my debut in front of him in the league team. Um, I'm taking this nomination as an encouragement of the effort I've put in my training so far in the past four months, um, but also as a motivation to continue to push myself even more during training. Um, and I'm conscious that training level and game nomination will be a bit different when most of the 13 uh, IFLW Sharks players will return. Um, I've already learned a lot from 
other top Sharks players. Um, but I'm looking forward for uh, the AFLW players to come back so I could learn from them as well on and off the field. Um, but yes, it was good to have a taste of league level in a derby clash against South Fremantle. Um, and no doubt we will get even more competitive when the AFLW players will be back in their respective team. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what we will achieve as a team uh, in the 2018 Waffle season. I think we are off to a good start with the last Sunday win in our opening round in both the league and reserve team. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. Now, normally when we've seen you run around uh, for the Montreal Angels, you've typically been a midfielder. Uh, what role have they got you playing at the Sharks? Um, they got me into the forward line. So I've played uh, half the game as a pocket forward and half the game as a half forward. So they've got you attacking on the football, which is uh, fantastic to see. How did you find that level of football um, that you played on the weekend? Um, yeah, well, like uh, it was at for the academy, so it's like faster and tougher footy. Um, but it's comparable, I would say, to what I've been experiencing with the uh, national team at the International Cup. But it's definitely different from what I'm used to in Montreal and the, at the USAFL National. And I guess that's an encouraging sign, is it, for those uh, footballers overseas that are thinking about coming out to Australia and putting in the hard yards they do to play at the IC tournaments, the next one in 2020. Like you said, it doesn't seem like the gap is that far, is it, from playing IC football to state league football? No, I don't think it's that far. Obviously, um, of course, all of those players have been playing for years, so they have a game knowledge and uh, experience that is bigger than what we have. Um, but, yeah, the gap is not that that big. So with work, a lot of works and training, I guess um, I'm thinking it's possible to reach to that level. Absolutely. Well, Caroline, thank you very much for joining us here. And we look forward to keeping an eye on your journey in Western Australia throughout the remainder of the 2018 WAWFL season. And hopefully we'll see you again in the USA in October for the uh, Nationals in Racine, Wisconsin. Well, thank you, Peter. And yeah, of course, it will be very good to see you again at the USAFL Nationals. And thanks for um, taking the time to chat with me today. The final round of the Sanford Women's Competition was played over the weekend. It's time to catch up with our regular Adelaide reporter from the Two Crows podcast, Alison Schiller, to find out what went down throughout season 2018. Ali, thanks very much for joining us here. How are you? I am fantabulous, although it is stinking hot here in sunny Adelaide at the moment. Yes, indeed. Summer conditions being felt in southeast Australia and the football was hot as well for the final round. Let's have a look in west and north to begin with. And Westie, 6-8-44, getting the chocolates over the Roosters, 5-4-34. Yeah, and the Westies needed the chocolates. In fact, they needed just a few more because, unfortunately, even though they beat North Adelaide uh, by 10 points at Prospect Oval, it wasn't enough to get their percentage up to jump over top um, of Norwood and it just basically means that they fell agonisingly short by 2.48% short of playing in next Saturday's prelim final. Wow, that is close. Let's have a look at what were some of the uh, goal kickers and leading disposal getters for that match? Yeah, sure. So, well, obviously the game started off pretty slow there, just to give you a bit of a, an idea of how it started. North actually didn't kick a solitary sausage uh, or even a single point. 
in the first quarter, and they were missing um, some of their uh, top-end players, so like Jeff Edwards, and also um, what's her name there? Oh, no, nah, can't think of it. I'll come back to it later. But one player of note for the Roosters, getting back to that, FA Scorpions cricketer Britt Perry, I think I've mentioned her name a few times, standout performers for the little old Cockadoo Roosters, team high 18 disposals and two goals. Emerging West star Abby Ballard kicked two goals to the game in the final term to go with an equal game-high 22 disposals. And she shared that that with her ultra-consistent teammate, Hannah Martin. So you've heard the name Rochelle Martin, and there's a Hannah Martin as well. Speaking of which, hard-running Rochelle Martin and Kim Batley each tallied 17 possessions to finish their 2018 campaign on a high Leading disposals for West, Hannah Martin, Abby Ballard, Rochelle Martin, Tim Batley and Ali Evans, who always battles along fearlessly. For North, Britt Perry, Lauren Daniel, Esther Bowles, Kat Reynolds and Leah Tynan with 13. The goals there for West, Abby Ballard, Melanie Elskud with two each, Chelsea Bedell and Kim Batley each with singles. For North, Britt Perry two, Esther Bowles, Paige Allen and Margaret Barco rounding out with singles there for North Adelaide. But North Adelaide surprisingly losing a game, considering I had them still picked as red hot to take on South Adelaide for the GF. So let's have a look at South versus Norwood. And, uh, well, Norwood just weren't in the contest. South running away with it, 5-7-37 to one one seven. Yes, yeah, so I thought uh, Norwood didn't actually show up at the parade there for a while because it took until 10 minutes into the final term for Rebecca Wangany, that is sister of the champion player Gavin Wangany, to actually register a behind for poor old Norwood, who, um, although they're actually uh, getting along to play some finals action there, uh, one goal, one point for the entire game, all coming in the final quarter, made it easier for South. Mind you, South on their hand had one Courtney Gum playing for them, who's really imposed herself, as we would expect being the AFLW champion that she is. She scored two goals, um, the first two goals of the game, inside the opening seven minutes, and she finished with 16 disposals and seven marks. Also, this name might sound familiar, Anne Hatchart, and co-captain there, Christy Harvey, continued playing in their solid form, leading into the title decider next week. Nikki Gore was actually absent, and she's one that the recruiters will be looking at heavily next year. She was on AFLW Academy duty. Norwood coach Steve Simons um, will be trying to work out his side's efficiency with the ball, as well as finding a few more avenues to goal, um, avoiding, sorry, after narrowly avoiding a second match without scoring. The Red Legs, on the other hand, were, were served, well served by Sally Riley, racked up a game-high 27 disposals. Seven marks and fearless captain Beck McMahon, 20 touches, nine marks, nine tackles. And Millard booted a solitary major for Nord with just over three minutes left on the clock for the final turn. So it would have been a disappointing game to be at. Um, South just got the job done, what they needed to do. Norwood, um, very disappointing and they're going to hope for better next week. So leading disposals for South, we had Hatchie on 18, Harvey on 17, Gummo, Williams on 16, Elise Housen 14. For Norwood, Sally Riley wrapping up there the 27, Beckbrookman 20, Alison Lenneth 19, and I apologise if I got your last name wrong there, Alison, Lisa Jane Millard 18, Rhiannon Bush 16, goals. 
Dumbo, two, Elise Howes and Kat Williams, and Molly McKendrick Lamar rounding out there with singles. And as I mentioned before, Lisa Jane Millard kicking the solitary for Norwood. The final game of the round saw Sturt 7-9-51 defeat Glenelg 5-5-35. Before we get into how the game played out and the better players, uh, Ali, some sad news out of Sturt. Yeah, um, tributes are flowing for talented footballer Ellen Maple, who actually played for Sturt on the weekend and was the second highest possession getter for Sturt. She is the first player to ever kick a goal in the SANFL Women's League and tragically after the game she died in a car accident on the weekend. So she actually was a premiership player for Norwood the following year. Oh, sorry, the previous year. And, yeah, absolutely tragic. She was there when Sturt beat Glenelg for the team's final win, helping them avoid the wooden spoon. She lives in Blackwood. She played for the Mount Lofty Devils, um, A-grade netball for Euradler and Heathfield. A well-loved and also a twin. Um, plays, her twin plays football as well. And the Sturt Football Club released a statement where they said they were saddened by the tragic death of one of its inaugural senior women's players. Ellen, a determined, skillful midfielder, will be remembered as the first person to kick a goal in the SANFL women's competition. One of the competition's leading possession players, Ellen was named in our best players in seven of her eight games. Our thoughts with Ellen's family and friends, including players and officials and both club Norwood and Mount Lofty football clubs. Um, grief counselling has been provided to players and club members and the girls have already got together um, in a positive move for them and to help them, they're, sorry, they're having preliminary discussions to find a way to honour her and a possibility of a plaque in the new women's change rooms which are currently being renovated. So for um, Ellen, she has won numerous awards in her football career including Best and Fairest for Mount Lofty in 2016, Premiership Player for Norwood Football Club in its 2016-17 season and Maple her twin sister Tess moved from Norwood to play for Sturt for this season. And it was Sturt's, obviously, their first ever season in the SANFL Women's League. So our sincerest condolences to um, Ellen's family, our clubs, players, officials alike. And um, absolute tragedy uh, rounding out the end of the year there for the club and the families. Absolutely. And our thoughts and condolences go out to her family and friends I guess uh, it's hard to look at a football game after that news, but let's talk about that last ever game that Alan got to play in. I guess the memories will be for her friends that they got to play with her in a win at Unley Oval. Yes, and I believe it was actually the first ever time that they've uh, got to play there at the Oval. So uh, they burst out of the blocks with 11 scoring shots to nil in the first term. Double Blues were able to withstand a spirited comeback from the Tigers. They got within nine points through Lexia Edwards. Uh, but the Double Blues, as I mentioned, they're only home ground for the first time in the SNFLW competition. Majors to Lane Trenorden, Nicole Baker, and established a comfortable margin of 22 points four minutes into the last term. Uh, third win of the season for the Double Blues. I had more eight Eight more inside 50 entries. Uh, Jess Foley was, again, had a huge influence on the outcome of the match. And she did well with 22 disposals, seven tackles and a goal. And um, as noted here, Zach Milbank's got some notes. Uh, Norwood Premiership player Ellen Maple, 
continued her late season resurgence for Sturt with 19 touches, while Crow Georgia Beveren collected 17 along with Nicole Baker. Uh, Ellie Kellogg finished the season strongly, 21 posies, five tackles, and a goal to base skipper Cassie Hartley. Never threw in the towel all season, and this time she had 18 touches. Promising forward uh, Lucy Bellinger. She'll be one to keep an eye on next year. Talented target with 18 disposals, seven marks to finish on a high. So the end score there was 51 to 35. Leading disposals for Sturt, Jess Foley, 22. Ellen Maple, 19. Georgia Bevan, Nicole Baker, 17. Sophie Hall, 15. Casey Fraser, 13. For Glenelg, Ellie Kellogg, 21. Cassie Hartley, 19. Lucy Bellinger, 18. Jess Allen and Tess Morecambe, 12. Goals, uh, Sturt, Shay Gundlach, uh, kick two. Nicole Baker, Sherry Bamford, Lane Trinord and Jess Foley and Maya Rigter kicked a goal each. Glenelg, Ellie Kellogg, Cassie Hartley, Lexi Edwards, Madison Freeman and Jess Allen all there with singles. So, again, our deepest sympathies there to the entire football community for the SNFMW because I'm sure they'll be feeling it for a long time. Such a young, talented player, sadly lost on the weekend. So the Sanford women's season does continue next week. It continues as a preliminary final. Yes. Um, t- cracking on there the next Saturday, uh, preliminary final, North Adelaide versus Norwood are fighting it out to see who will take on the might of South Adelaide. Uh, while they get a well-earned rest this week, finishing clear on top of the ladder, this will be at Prospect Oval at 3.45pm. So we'll see if North can bounce back uh, or whether they were just holding a few cards a little bit closer to their chest. Um, it'll be interesting to see which way this will all pan out. But I think at the same time there, it absolutely should be an absolute cracker of a game. Well, that wraps up Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival for this week. We'll be back every Wednesday from 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. I'm Peter Holden. Look forward to your company again next week. Until then, bye for now.